Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for the love that you show us, Lord, for the ways that you um, carry us, you carry us home to you. Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless this program and all who listen, Jesus, that they would be encouraged, that these dear, sweet brothers and sisters in Christ would be encouraged to live their life of faith, knowing, Lord, that you are with us. You are with us, Lord, each and every day of our lives. Just give us that sense of your presence and your power at work in our lives today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, uh, just a quick check-in. There's a lot to cover today. Oh, sorry, I mentioned that we're going to cover a certain theme. So the majority of the program, we're going to talk about um, a particular place where Jesus shows up quite a bit in his life in ministry. Uh, there's a particular place. Now, people would think the synagogue or the temple, you know, those are places that are, are common places, but uh, I'm going to ask uh, you about times that you remember in the gospel where Jesus is connected to a boat. There are so many stories in the gospel of Jesus connected to a boat. How'd you come upon this theme? Um, honestly, it it struck me because of um, Noah's Ark. Okay. What is that? <laughs> Hold That's on. Not... Yeah, well, here, here's what it is. Noah's oh. Ark. Um, in the scriptures, Noah's Ark is one of the principal themes in the history of the church that is a way of understanding the nature of the church. Really? Yeah. What is the church? The church is the Ark of Salvation. The church is the Ark of Salvation. And so, um, obviously, Noah's Ark, right? What, was it, what were they being saved from? A flood. The flood. And uh, who got wiped out from the flood? Bad people. <laughs> everybody. Everybody <laughs> but Noah and his family. And so uh, there's a way in which um, if you're not in the ark, you will be destroyed. You will suffer loss. You are doomed to destruction. And so in the history of the church, this idea of well, how important is the church? How important is the, this reality that Christ established and then continues to make its way through history. How important is it to be in the church? Well, the church is the bark of salvation, is the ark of salvation. And so um, that's one. That's one of the ways of looking at the church. Do, do you know another one? Uh, well, I can just tell you. Another one. Thank you. Thank okay, you. here. Uh, here's one way of, of saying it. Uh, at night, if you were out in uh, out in the woods, away from civilization, and uh, it was in the middle of the night, what would be your greatest source of light? The stars. No, even brighter than the stars uh, is the... Hold on. The moon? The moon. If it's Thank out? You. Okay. Yeah, if the moon is out, then um, the moon becomes... Oh, yeah, because stars really don't light up. Yes, stars are like beautiful but distant. Yes. The moon, can actually when you have like a full moon and on a clear night, you can actually see quite a bit. It's so fun. So the, the another vision of the church is that the church is like the moon. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, kind of ponder it a little bit. If the, the church is the moon, what does the moon, where does the moon get its light? Oh, it reflects off the sun. Reflects the light of the sun. Okay. And so stop and ask yourself a little bit further now. 
for people who live in darkness. Those are people who are living without the light of the world, who is Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And so Jesus brings light to your whole life. But if you're walking in darkness and you don't know who Christ is, then how can you access that source of light? How can you access Jesus? Well, through the ones who reflect him. So the moon is a way of saying, I'm going to give you a reflected access to the light of the world. I'll be drawn to that reflected source of light. And the one who is reflecting the source of light has the call to say, let me bring you to the one who is the light. It's actually a good analogy to think that we're only as bright as the moon at night and compared to how glorious and radiant and powerful the sun is during the day. Okay, but remember when you were younger and you had this sense of like uh, this fervor and faith and this like new radical following of the Lord, wasn't it magnetic? Yes. And wasn't one of the things that uh, that was a temptation for people who had that, young people who had that radiance, is to think that you're actually attracted to me. When what you're actually attracted to is Christ living in me. Uh, at least that was a temptation for me. And, and so I, I would have to remember and remind myself, the reason why these people are so drawn to me isn't me. It's they're drawn to Christ, the way, the truth, and the light, the light of the world, right? That's probably why you should be very careful if you're dating when you are at the peak of your Christian I don't know. Fervor, love, fervor for and zeal and all-in quality. Because once you strip away all that fervor and love, then you're like, okay, who is this person really? I don't know. That's probably not good advice, but I, I do know that there's been trouble with kids that fall in love at that fervor pitch. And then when you actually have to walk the walk every day. Yeah. And, and that, for me, I, I would like, I just like kind of turn the dial just a little bit on that and, and talk about it as you don't marry someone who's in the throes of their first conversion because you're not seeing who they really are. Wait, how many conversions do we get? Well, you <laughs> know like what I mean. First, like second, when third. the people that are leaving like a place of darkness and they come to, to Christ and, and they're all of a sudden the zeal and the like the totality of their sense of I'm living all for God is so like present that it can obscure the long hard road of following Christ when all of a sudden the fervor dies down and now you're left with a lot more of the 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 attitudes, the habits, the flesh, the ways of looking at things that are still marked by the world because that conversion isn't really that deep yet. So you never like so that was in household. It was don't date someone who's in the first phases of their radical conversion to Christ because you're not really attracted to who they are. You're attracted to a very surface level um, picture of what has just recently happened to them in their lives. So no missionary dating. No that's a different. I'm going to turn the dial in the other direction. Sorry, I'm really. I like this, Carrie. I know this is not good. This is. This was my introduction to the introduction. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to get you so off track. Go back to the ark and the moon and. Yeah, well, I I just I always liked the moon. I always liked the moon because for me it was don't take yourself too seriously. You are called to be the light of the world, but you're called to be the reflection of the one who is the light of the world. But that also means that somehow Christ is going to show up through you through 
through the way that you radiate his light into the world. You really do have that call. Mm -hmm. Now, how important is that? Let's come back to the boat. And that is that the gospel is everything. Coming to know Jesus Christ is everything. Um, and, and we who live in faith, we who live with the Catholic faith or a, a devout Christian faith, we, we have the ability to access the realities of God that we can just take for granted. And we don't realize what it's like to live life apart from God. Just here's a, just a, for instance, John Mark said something, our 16 year old, we went to mass together a couple of days ago. Uh, it was uh, late, later in the day. I tend to go first thing in the morning, but I, I didn't go that day. And so we went together five 30 at St. Mary's. And when we were driving home, he said, dad, he said, we were just there for 30 minutes and we got to receive Jesus in Holy communion. He said, do you know how many Christians live their entire life and never get to experience that gift of receiving Jesus in Holy Communion. And it was one of those things where I'm like, goodness, I just take that for granted. I just take that for granted that what is so accessible to us on a daily basis is something that um, non-Catholic Christians apart from like the Orthodox and right, a few other ecclesial communities, they do not have uh, consecrated hosts. They don't have the true and real presence of Jesus Christ uh, as, uh, as a part of their entire life of faith. And it was just like, wow, you're right, John Mark. And we just started kind of walking through that with regards to some of the other sacraments. Like immediately I went to confession uh, I mean, I went to confession. I went to talk about... <laughs> hey, but I did go to confession. <laughs> you did. You went to confession. And I just thought about, look at the healing. Look at the the spiritual healing, the reconciliation, the consolation, the spiritual resurrection that happens in confession. And we have that accessible to us, accessible. It's It's available to us. And do we take advantage of it? So that was um, that was something that I uh, that I was thinking about um, when you were saying where did it come from to talk about the the church as the ark of salvation. It was really around uh, the the incredible abundance of riches that we have when we are part of the church and what we are saved from, as compared to those who are laboring in their lives without having access to those riches. Like how many people, married couples, uh, who don't access the concept of forgiveness and mercy, don't know how to get beyond bitter, harsh, caustic, negative conversations? Yeah, and I think over time, you know, you, you have a wound and it gets harder and more deeper and more um, contagious in a negative way. And then I would see how those marriages would just get really difficult because I am more amazed at how much healing we need right now versus maybe in our first five years. I mean, in our first five years of marriage, I think we're just really immature. You know, Carrie, I, I agree. And I think that one of the things that um, is is such a blessing is that it's never too late to... Uh, listen to the Lord's invitation to invite us into healing, to invite us to like go to those locked doors 
those, let's call it those, those scars or scabbed over wounds that we perpetrate against our, the ones we love the most, or even against ourselves, just through sinful attitudes that we have that just impact our, our like a really narrow way of living our own lives. And how the Lord is an inv- inviting us to wholeness, salvation, freedom. And the word for that is healing. That the Lord has salvation. Salvation is healing and wholeness, freedom. He has these things for us. And, and I know that that's, that's been a theme. That's been your word for the year. I, I'd love for you to just kind, of, just kind of bring our listeners a little bit up to speed on how that word healing has um, been playing a part in, in, your, in, your, in these last several days, but even just anything that you'd like to share. Well, I think the thing about a word for the year or a scripture or a, a phrase or a saint, <laughs> um, for me, it brings a sense of hope and expectation. And I feel like that is something that is, if without that hope, without that sense that God is doing something, I think my love grows cold or I feel like. And you know the word hope, it, it, the, the beautiful word for the, the, the theological virtue of hope is confidence. Hmm. Do you have confidence in Jesus? Like, I hope in Jesus means mm-hmm. I actually have confidence in him, that he's true to his word, he's faithful to his promises, and he's acting right now. That's so good. I've been reflecting on some of my own tendencies as a personality type, and as you know, I question a lot. And in one of Father Jacques Philippe's book, he associated this like negative pathway from doubt to mistrust to sin. And it just made me stop and ponder how I doubt the Lord. And I don't doubt his presence, but I doubt that he has my best interest at hand or that I can surrender over my own time and energy. And like, can the Lord really just say that out loud? Did you hear what you just said out (laughs) loud? I doubt, (laughs) no, I doubt and I don't trust that God has my best interest in his heart. I, I don't. Isn't that crazy to say that out loud? I know, and I don't. Well, maybe I just live from this self-centeredness of, I yes, can do amen. this. I it's got true. this. I don't need it, the no. Lord. <laughs> I don't need to surrender. <laughs> amen, brother. I, I think that, <laughs> no, Carrie, it's like saying that kind of stuff out loud, is it's very revealing. I don't think we, like we're not often challenged to ask ourselves that question. Do you really trust the Lord? Do you really believe that he is acting in your regard with with your best interests in mind? Do you really think he's that involved in your life that these things that are happening to you, he's aware of and he's at work in and through them? And, and we just feel like God is so passive and distant mm-hmm. uh, or doesn't care. And that's just not true. All right, we're up against a break. Let's keep this conversation going in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnum with my lovely wife, Carrie, and we're reflecting on um, the ways in which certain theological themes, whether it is scripture reflections on Christ and the boat, or the reality of the church as the Ark of Salvation after the manner of Noah's Ark, or the church being like the moon, reflecting the light of the sun, and absolutely dependent on the sun to have any light at all, that these things have such relevance and applicability to us in our own walk of faith. And, and that's led us into the theme of healing and how um, it's, it's through being healed, Carrie. It's through 
the Lord loving to heal us more than we want to be healed. The Lord loving to, now, and healing is your word. My word is purging. So, what? I know, isn't that great? Your word remember, is, how do I not know Carrie, this? the ascent of Mount Carmel, remember? Wait, the dark night. That was your in, word or theme or book? or Yeah. That's, it's not just a word. It's like a whole no, spirituality. No, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Okay. It's just... It's uh, it's all about well the dark night is a night of purgation it's purging it's purging it's cleansing it's bringing about a diminishment it's 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 suffocating uh, the uh, the desires that are from the flesh in order to free the spirit it sounds awful and, <laughs> no it's actually it's beautiful Tom. it's John of the cross okay. and it is kicking my butt. But it, because he is saying that the things that we actually think that make our lives very satisfying are actually things that are like destroying and diminishing the spiritual life of the soul. Like here, I, I was thinking of one today. Oh, there's so many, as you say that I I'm know. like, okay, I could just like name seven, right? Like yeah. I did today. <laughs> yeah, things that are satisfying. And it's not, well, the thing is I, I go to confession, right? And I feel like these are good sins to confess, but the priest didn't dismiss them. He just wanted to make me feel okay. Like, you're okay. It's all right. You need to, you need to go ahead and have space to, you know, take a break and enjoy, you know, time, downtime. And, you know, you have a lot of children. And I thought, I kind of need to be kicked in the butt. You don't understand, Father. I actually need you to, like, light a torch under my butt to get me going and to caused me to have, you know, conversion and conviction and move. But anyhow, I nothing against the priest's um, words of Actually, okay, advice. So you I just, just, you, just hit a, you just pushed a button. There's <laughs> oh something that I've realized in this theme, this theme of purging, and it has shown up so clearly as I've been reading the Office of Readings in my morning prayer. Um, it, and, and here's the question. Here's how I'll pose it. Uh, for literally for 40 years, almost 40 years, ever since I entered the seminary and I've been reflecting on the gospel and how the gospel, the good news, reaches people's lives so that they would be drawn to the Lord and they would give their lives over to Jesus. Here's the question. Are people more drawn by the love of God that wants to... Um, be able to help them become everything they're intended to be? Or is the gospel about rescuing those who are lost and desperate and have nothing and they need to be rescued? Uh, They need to be saved. Where does the gospel reach? How how does the, the gospel be best presented to people? Is it the God of love that wants to take you from good to great? Mm -hmm. Or is it the God of love who's going to rescue you because you are sinking into the depths of the grave? Is this a trick question? So, Or is this just like, what do you think from your own I I want to know what you think because I have an opinion. The second one. So I, when I was in the seminary, I I wrote a paper on this. It was like a 40-page paper. Um, It was my last year of my graduate degree. It's kind of like my major seminar paper. And I, I posed it, um, like, how does the gospel reach people's lives? And in it, I had put forward that the gospel reaches people's lives in both ways, as an invitation of love 
to uh, extend oneself in love, as well as an invitation to surrender and abandon oneself because you're lost. You, 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 you're a sinner and you need to be saved. Well, and then that second one, I think your first encounter with Christ, am I misunderstanding that? Or is it always coming back to him and re-encountering transformation? Yeah, I, I would say this, that you think of it as, oh, it's always both, right? It's kind of two sides of a coin, right? It's the God who's reaching out to save you is reaching out to save you because he loves you. So you have this encounter with the love of God. You can't imagine that he loves you as you are and who you are because you, you just know the, the, the darkness that lives in you. And he says he sees all of that. and He's going to rescue from it. And he's going to bring you out to a whole new place and, and release this whole reality that you're a child of God, right? Um, I was critiqued by my professor because he proposed that my, uh, my presentation of the gospel was too focused on the negative. It was too focused on the reality of sin and brokenness and the need to be saved and not enough on the unconditional love of God who's drawing them into fulfillment. That's really good. Well, thank you, dear. I appreciate that. But you know what I found, what my realization is, is that reading John of the Cross, this is Santa Mount Carmel, reflecting more fully and being confronted by my own desires that are associated with the flesh that make me seek comfort in this world and reading the office of readings day after day, the Psalms and those office of readings, the gospel is principally about rescuing those who are absolutely desperate and lost. Yes. I knew that I had. No. <laughs> and it is the love. It is the loving God who reaches out to rescue us who are desperate. So we do come into intimacy and nearness and a profound being overwhelmed by the love of God. But the good news, the good news is that we who are trapped in the muck and mire of our own lives and trapped in spiritual bondage, darkness, and death, that the Lord has come to break in, break open, and set us free. And that's something that we don't want to go there first. Like you go to confession and it's like, hey, 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 take it easy on yourself. No, we, we need to have that rigor and vigor that says the gospel. The gospel wants to get in there, cleanse the vessel, uproot the sin so that we can radiate like a brighter moon. So that, that this is, the church is a bark of salvation, a boat, an ark of salvation. Why do you call it a bark of salvation? A bark is another word for a boat. It is. Uh, so Noah's ark. Um, Never heard that. Yeah. So uh, I think that to appreciate the distinctiveness, the distinct value of being in the church and accessing the reality, the, the godly realities, the holiness, the spiritual wealth, of being a member of the church, that that's not something that we just enjoy. It's something that should dynamically move us to then bring that good news to those who are far from God or far from the church, that they have a right to hear the gospel and we have no right to keep it from them. Do you feel like this purging word theme is helping you to get a better sense about bringing the gospel? Yeah, but it's starting more with something so simple 
it, it is the, I, I've now identified it, Carrie, as the emblematic first world manifestation of our desire for comfort that somehow must like become part of our whole lives. You know what it is? It's in your car, seat warmers. <laughs> I am serious. Oh Carrie? I was not expecting You were that. not expecting that. This morning, I got up, I, well, I had prayed, got, and then I said, I'm going to Mass, and I get in the car. It's cold. No, it's really cold here. It's, it's cold, whatever. I back out. It's not as cold as some mornings, and I'm driving away, and I immediately went... For the seat warmer. Oh, yeah, baby. And I thought, and, and then I got the conviction. I'm like, what a wimp. Do you want to hear the ultimate car pleasure or comfort? In a minute. I'm going to finish no, my car story. I think I'm better done. than the seat warmer. Yeah, yeah. We're getting to, we'll get to yours in a minute because I think I know what it is. But I'm telling you what happened was I put on the seat warmer as I'm driving away from our house. And I just felt this conviction. Why do I access this comfort? There's no reason for it when I have an, an alternative. I thought John of the Cross came to my mind. It's like, what is the alternative to a seat warmer? A cold, cold seat. A cold seat. Yeah. So you, you want to know where my mind went? As I'm driving away, as I'm headed towards Mass, I'm thinking, I'm not going to turn on the seat warmer. Wow, look how heroic I am. Right? <laughs> Look how heroic hey, that I That is heroic some I'm mornings. not turning on the seat warmer as I'm headed to mass. And I'm like, this helps focus my mind. I'm not just like like lavished by comfort in the in the seat that's just giving me this sense of just in being embraced by warmth. Uh, and I'm like, no. And then I thought, man, if I was like St. Francis. You take off your coat, take off your shoes. Roll down the window. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, no, he would have taken a shovel and shoveled some snow <laughs> Into the into the seat. It sat in snow. It sat in snow as he drove to mass. Absolutely. With the window down. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not doing those things. Uh, but like why would why would Francis do that? Why would John of the Cross talk about like the giving in to the desires of the flesh and worldly comforts as as being like spiritually diminishing the soul and weakening us in our own journey of the spiritual life. And I'm like, ah, we don't want to die to ourselves. No. We don't want to recognize how spiritually impoverished we are. We don't want to recognize just how desperate we are without the Lord. And that's true for all of us. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the call. There's the uh, there's the desperation. And then there's the empowerment. And, and that's why the gospel... The gospel reaches us at that place to reveal to us that we're a gift from God, but then to reveal even more profoundly that we are utterly desperate before God. And it's, it's when we cry out from that place of desperation, from spiritual poverty, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs and only theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, it's a gospel this, this week is well it's from the gospel let me see it's luke or matthew i think it's from matthew actually luke but in it he says um this is funny because you talk about what we 
seek after or long for or take comfort in. And he says, um, I'm just looking up this real Blessed quick. Blessed are you poor. It God. says, it says, well, woe to the rich and woe to those who are filled now and woe to those who laugh now and woe to those who speak when all speak well of you. And these are things that I like genuine, genuinely enjoy. Like I want to be comfortable. I want people to enjoy my company. I want them to speak well of me. I want to be filled now. And the Lord's like, this gospel is so hard to read. And well, the it's just... How often do you actually ever hear people like lead with that gospel? You want to understand more about Jesus and growing in the spiritual life? Let's go to that gospel in Luke where he's talking about the Beatitudes. And he has all of these woes. Yes. Right? All these woes to correspond to the blesseds, the blessings, the happies. Yeah. And I... I mean, it's a tough gospel, but it's so contrary to our culture and to our the comfort that, you know, he's not necessarily speaking even the, the culture, it's just the human condition. I want to be spoken well of or thought well of. I I want to be merry and enjoy a good time. I, I want to have riches and I want to be filled. I want my comforts and my needs to be met. And it's just so convicting. And so when I go to this priest and I say, you know, you know, there's some things that I'm doing that I kind of wasted my time and relax. It's okay. Don't be so you need to take a break. Take it easy. <laughs> take need to easy. relax. I was like, no, father, if you only really knew how many hours I spent relaxing. Um, I just found it funny. But well, at this... you were going to say something, I think about cars. Cause I was oh, saying yeah. that for me, the, the, like the emblematic, uh, sign of first world problems is having a cold car seat and you just got to have the the warm car seat. I can seat. up you because not only is this luxury, but it's also you feel like you're doing something when you're absolutely doing nothing. I went to get my car washed because it was super dirty after about a week and a half here in the area. Your cars get really dirty with all the slush and snow and right. dirt. And I pull into this car wash and my car was clearly the most dirty. And I even pointed this out to you, and we were coming off Fred Meyer. I'm like, Tom, look how dirty our car is. No, down, look. No, look at like the 40 cars around us. Ours is the dirtiest by far. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just was like, when do people wash their I car? I was trying why to find a reason wash- why, and I couldn't. I was trying to think like, <laughs> we all live in the same place as we live. So. Why is ours so dirty? And so I go to get my car washed, and every car was like, practically clean i go i will take any one of these cars compared to mine so i asked the guy not only that but this the thing that i've noticed oh god you're gonna say something no, go finish your story just these car washes are like it's like a factory i mean all of these like free places to vacuum out and they're all full and then the, i've never seen never seen car washes with such long lines oh there's like 30 or 40 cars it's crazy it's crazy it's a thing over here it's, and they, there's opening more car washes. And I was trying to figure it out. Anyhow, he's like, oh, yeah, we have customers that come in every day. I'm like, what? They wait for like 20 minutes to get their car washed every day. Who has time to do this? Why would they do this? But sure enough, I get my car washed. The next day or within two days, it's dirty again. I was like, oh, okay. It actually gets dirty really fast. So it's kind of a joke every time we go by to see just how crowded the car washes are. It is amazing. That is a first world. That is a first world thing. All right, we're up against the end of our uh, break. Okay, when we come back, more with Carrie Curran, and uh, we're going to continue our reflection. Back in a second. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran, along with my wife Carrie. And um, so, go ahead, Carrie. 
Uh, you were gonna. You were talking about cars and car washes and how long they, and they're opening up more car washes. It, that's a, that's some kind of um, uh, what's business? that word? Not just a business. Uh, it's a uh, franchise. <laughs> yes. It's like a franchise, and it is like wow. Well, there's like probably four or five different companies, at least four that I know of. And the nice thing here is you don't actually have to go get your car washed, but you can pull in and use the vacuum cleaning system for free. It's really powerful, and you don't have to commit or you can come back later anyhow i'm in this line they're sending cars through every like 15 seconds it, you don't wait that long unless you're in a really long line but i thought this is the ultimate american um luxury event. comfort oh. well you feel like you're actually doing something but are you really just sitting in your car as it slowly goes through and it's washing you come around and it's all clean and you feel like, hey, man, I wouldn't got my car washed. Yeah, I checked the box. But you don't do anything. You sit in your nice seat, warmers with the radio hey, playing. It's like the gospel. It's like, it's like so you go in dirty and you come out clean, right? <laughs> you don't do anything. God does it all. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to see how many people wait in these long, long lines to wash a car. Well, I want to uh, let's just let's draw that over to the spiritual realm. How many people are longing to get clean spiritually? <laughs> How do you do this? How do you just... Well, no. Think of Mary Catherine. She's at Franciscan University. And twice, she ended up sending us pictures of her waiting in line to go to confession. And it's followed by, oh, Dad, I need some money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to send my That's dad a really, really smart. awesome photo Any of teenagers listening, in adoration. It's a really smart thing. Dad, can I go to confession? And then afterwards, can I have 10 bucks? That's awesome. That's really smart. That, you know what? She's just picking up what we used to do. We used to take the kids to ice cream after adoration. Yeah. And so those were the days. Okay, but she really didn't ask for money. Anyhow, it was a joke. Go well, ahead. Well, twice she sent us, like the first time, she waited an hour to go to confession. And do you know when they shut down confessions? She was the next one in line. Oh, no. Yeah, so she committed another sin. Oh, so. <laughs> And so she had to definitely go to confession. So she said the next time that they had confessions, like it started at such and such a time, they got there a half an hour early just to make sure that they would be able to get to confession. And there was still a huge line, Wait, even though they got there a half an hour before confessions started. You know, I think kids go more to confession now than when I was at Franciscan. Yeah. And I know going to the Latin Mass, confessions just become a lot more regular, like every month. Every six weeks, sometimes during Lent, it's regular, even more than that. That, honestly... And, I, and there are a lot of kids at Franciscan that are part of the traditional Latin Mass. Yeah. So if you think about, like, what are the what are the blessings of going to the FSSP parish, the, the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter Parish, where they do the traditional Latin Mass? Um, we talk about the reverent liturgy. Uh, we talk about the, the teaching that emphasizes rigor and vigor in terms of presenting the, the, the teachings of the church around um, spirituality. Um, the, um, but the third one would be definitely the culture of confession, the culture that says make a regular confession. By regular, not once a year, not once every six months, but once a month. Once a month is, I would say, typical if you're going out two months, you've gone a long, you've gone a long time, and that is just not a thing outside of these uh, traditional Latin Mass communities. But I do think it's becoming more of a thing with those Catholics that are 
um, in the church, staying in the church, staying committed, that it's part, it's coming back to this more regular confession? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would say this, that there were those, um, like, you know, when we go to confession, like at St. Mary's, um, uh, or uh, apart from St. Joan of Arc, um, it, it, it looks more like devotional confessions, right? You have that handful of people, maybe 10 people, maybe 20 people in the parish that are the sort of the standard folks that they just go regularly. It's just sort of their custom. And it's not a bad thing. It's just not quite such a widespread thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I do think that um, there are priests uh, that highlight the importance of confession. Like I know Father Nagel does, I know Father Lewis does, and in their parishes, you just get more confessions. Um, so I do think a lot of it does has to have to do with spiritual fatherhood and the way in which certain priests recognize that as spiritual fathers, they need to foster and promote the practice of a regular confession. And that's where healing comes from. That's where healing comes from. So you went to confession today. This is Wednesday when you were recording it. And it is, um, uh, you were going to the... Um, oh, I'm going to the um, Novena, Tarly yeah, the Lords yeah. at the cathedral, which has been really beautiful. They've done a really good job. It has such care. They've um, hired the Spokane Symphony to come and play the sacred music into like, I think the oboe and some trumpets and I don't really know the instruments, but it's very, I don't know, it's not so much worship, it's grand and beautiful for sure, but I'm not sure what the word is. I feel like I'm, it's like heavenly. That's I guess nice. it's imagining that it's glorious. Glorious. It sounds more glorious. Um, and they're really, it's really neat. I don't know if it's, is it Father Connell who runs the whole yeah. event? Because each night it's a different priest preaching, and there's usually six, five, six, seven priests there, and it's 150, 250 people. I mean, it's well attended. So you are in this presence of faith and expectation, and people are seeking healing. Um, there's different nights for different kinds of healing, and I love that. And then... Um, What's so sweet is each night they send you home with something. So like it's a religious card or it's a finger rosary where you walk up and you get a blessed medal or rosary. One night they passed out little, um, I don't know, vials of holy water from Lourdes. And so you feel like you get these little treasures. I, I think Father Connell's, a, his love language is gift giving. <laughs> Sacramentals, yeah. I don't know. Last night it was... Um, you brought stuff to be blessed. So people were bringing up stuff. And this guy next to me, he brought up his whole suitcase full of stuff. I don't know what was in it, but he had a whole suitcase. He rolled up. That was up. like me and my son and John <laughs> like, Mark again. We went to the relic. Remember the relic uh, display where they had all yes. the relics of the first class relics of saints mm-hmm. at the cathedral? And um, I, I think there were like seven objects in this room that touched, you know, 97 different saints. I, I carry around three objects in my pocket that you are, do. yeah, that are super relics uh, that have touched to so many, uh, to all these different, and I've sent them around, right, to people that have asked for them. Well, what's so neat about this novena, I think for me, is the sense of community, the sense of gathering with people that are seeking God, seeking healing, wanting to draw close to Him and uh, Mary, and I think I miss that sense of being in a um, I don't know, it, it just something about it just represents some of the beauty of the church that is not typical and 
I don't know. I just find it really. What do you mean? You, do you mean the idea that, um, like, because this isn't uh, this this doesn't sound right? Because this isn't just mass. Like this is the scheduled daily mass. This is a a special event that people are making a decision to come out to it, and they're all coming with a purpose yeah. to participate in a novena um, to the Blessed Mother and connected to healing. Is it is it all of that? That, yeah, like, keep going. Do you have any other? I, I, other, I don't know. It's just the idea of I'm solidarity, saying. like solidarity and seeking healing. Yes. Is that, was that the point? Yeah, I think so. I think you said it better than me, but there's something about it. I better guess, than I? <laughs> Thank Sorry, you. That was too easy. That was, <laughs> Karen, I that was you fun. could do this all day oh, long, God. all night long. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to name. And it's not mass. It's a prayer service. Right. Well, tomorrow night, this is Thursday, tomorrow night, Friday, um, there, doesn't it end on, the, on the Feast of Our Lady of Lords with Mass at 5.30? Yes. I want to say yes. <laughs> I think it's, it's always 5.30. Sure it yeah. I'm pretty sure it does. I know it's 5.30 uh, today, tonight on Thursday night as well as mm-hmm. on Friday. It's at 5.30. Yes. But I believe, I believe the final evening is Mass. But I could be wrong on that. I should find out. Um, but it would make sense, you know, on the Feast of Our Lady I of Lords. I think they mentioned that during one of the services. And each night, like I said, a different priest does a teaching and they've been really good just from the ones I've missed a couple of nights, but the ones I've heard have been really good. And they've been using different titles for our blessed mother. Yes. So you beautiful. Know, our mother of families and mother of mercy and, and things like that. And, and different and, prayers each night with the novena prayer. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's very special. The, um, so you're, the Lord has drawn you into a path of healing and I can tell you, it, it, you're only a month, just over a month in, a month and a half in, but I am seeing you freer. Hmm. I'm seeing uh, levels of freedom in you um, in terms of how you're serving in the family um, and you're doing it joyfully. Um, the way that you're um, um, relating to me with a greater sense of, of again, spontaneity and freedom, um, it, it's wonderful. It's, it's a beautiful gift. I'm grateful to the Lord. For that, it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. No, I just think that um, it's like wow, these aren't just like cute ideas, but no, the Lord take the Lord seriously. That when He says, "I'm going to heal you," it's I'm going to set you free in ways that you haven't expected. Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. I, I love that. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, more sound insight. Please stay tuned. Thank you, Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services, for being a Sacred Heart Radio sponsor. As a ministry within the Diocese of Spokane, Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services offers three cemeteries, Holy Cross on the north side, St. Joseph's in the Valley, and Queen of Peace on the South Hill, all with several options to meet the needs of your loved ones. Consider pre-planning for your family now, or simply know you can count on Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services when you need them. Visit HolyCrossOfSpokane.org. If you are a Catholic business owner, school principal, or director of a charity, then we would be honored to acknowledge you as one of the proud sponsors of Sound Insight on Sacred Heart Radio. Sponsorship is a great way to support Catholic Radio in the Northwest and raise awareness of your business or organization. For information about sponsorship, email info at sacredheartradio.org or call 800-949-1050. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, um, uh, we're still in the introduction of the program. So 
at the beginning of the program, I said the theme of today's program was going to be on this location where Jesus regularly shows up, which is in boats. And I had all of these like wonderful scriptural references in the Gospels where Jesus is connected to a boat and how if you just reflect on those, it's like, wow, this is so relevant and applicable to my life Hmm. when I think about that story of Jesus and that particular boat. Um, I was trying to simply use the theme of Noah's Ark and the church as the boat, you know, the the Ark of Salvation. And so we're members of the church, so we should expect, and I was going to use the car, like that's our drive, that's how we move forward, like in a boat, it's how you get transported. Wow, we went really off, I off know. the rails. Well, let's, hear, let's hear what you got. Okay, well, let me ask you, because I've got like six or seven boat stories of Jesus can you think of one, one time when Jesus is in the boat wasn't or the, Jesus connected to a boat? Wasn't the gospel last week about him mm-hmm. just pulling out a little bit and then they were amazed and shocked at all that they, their catch and they yeah, exactly. dropped their nets? So that story, like what's that story from um, last Sunday? The last Sunday story is the call of Peter. And you remember the context of that story. How did Jesus end up in Peter's boat? Uh, the crowd was pressing in on him. Pressing in on him, that's right. Push out. And, and he saw Peter. What was Peter doing? Fishing. Washing the nets. Darn. He had fished. <laughs> he had, remember, he was nothing. fishing all day and caught nothing. Okay. And he was washing his nets. And the, the thing about washing nets is it's a painfully long, difficult, slow process. And you want to you want to be able to wash those nets so that any kind of um, any kind of slime or grime or anything that comes from uh, the the nets being on the bottom being dragged or mm. being dragged through the water, you want to get all that stuff washed off. Otherwise, the nets will be uh, become more visible to the fish, and they won't be as uh, uh, they won't be so durable, so they won't last so long. So there's a lot at stake in a in a fisherman having good clean nets. And so while he's doing that, after working hard a long day, Jesus gets right in the boat and then says, I'm going to preach from your boat. And he sits down and preaches, sits down. That's the act of teaching from his boat. Now that's his livelihood. And just for us to stop and think, where does Jesus approach us? We often think he approaches us where? In church. In church, in in adoration, in prayer. And where does Peter, Simon Peter, get approached by Jesus in his job. His job is where Jesus broke into Simon Peter's life, in his job. And not in his job at the place where he was succeeding. Not in his job at the place where he was just on top. No, he was exhausted. He was tired. He was frustrated. He had worked hard. Remember that place of desperation? Yes. That's where Jesus entered in. He says, I'm getting into, right into your boat. And then he says, I'm going to use you at that place in your life to bring my gospel, to teach. So 6.37 at night or is it 9.30 at night when I'm tired, I'm desperate, my kids are on me, the kitchen's a mess, my husband needs me to do a radio program with him. It's like, Lord, really? I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> My and, nets are and that's empty. the place where the Lord's like, great, thank you. You're not going to get in the way. You won't get in the way. You don't have enough energy to get in the way. 
I can now speak through you. But Lord, I hope I can stay right? awake. <laughs> but I know just for folks, just to listen to this, like you, you, you're right now, a lot of the folks listening to this program right now are headed to work or you're about to enter into homeschooling or you're about to like launch into your day, whatever your day is, whatever your work is for today, you might think, okay, I've left behind the God part of my day. I've had my morning prayer. I've gone to mass and now I'm going to enter into the rest of my day. No, Jesus is saying, now's the point in your day where I'm going to start teaching others. I'm going to start speaking to others. I'm going to start manifesting myself to others who are seeking my word right in your boat. And then um, after preaching, he then says to Peter, what? Go out into the deep, into the deep. And I love that. Who, You know, just to stop and say, the Lord wants to take us deeper. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to stay in the shallow water. He wants to take us out into the deep waters. But what does Peter do? He complains. He says, Lord, look, we've been working hard all day, caught nothing. But at your command, your command, I'll do it. Goes out into the deep and lowers the nets. Now, why is that so striking? Do you I know don't what? know. The reason is, is that when would people, when would fishermen fish? In the morning. In the morning. And where would they fish? Uh, by the shore. By the shore. Why? Uh, it was the, the way the nets worked. To eat or something? The way I the nets know. worked. So there were two kinds of nets. Okay. One of the nets were you actually peg something on the shore and then you'd, you'd you have the net kind of go from edge to edge like a compass. Uh, and it would it would drag all the fish. And the other one was you'd kind of cast the net and it would drop down and then you'd scoop. And so the fish would be uh, uh, close to shore. So you knew where the fish were early in the morning, where they were, uh, where they were going to be located was near the shore early in the morning. And what does Jesus do? He says, let's go out at the wrong time of the day to the wrong place. And those nice clean nets, throw them back into the water and get them dirty again. And Peter, Simon, he's got to be saying to himself, you might be a good preacher. You might have like compelling teaching, but this doesn't make any sense at all. This makes zero sense. This is not how you catch fish. You don't just throw your net into deep water here, now. Not going to work. And that's why when this miraculous catch of fish that had the nets breaking to overflowing that filled the boats, not only his boat, but the boat next door. Was it going to sink or something? It was going to sink. It was so full. He had to get the other boat to fill it up. It was so glorious that Peter, Simon, what happened to him? He was overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed. And he fell down and said, what? Save me, Lord, for I am a... Oh, leave me, Lord. For I am a sinner. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Depart from me, Lord. And so it was the radiance of God's glory manifest in that moment that revealed to Simon his own sin. And that's what we need. Yeah, I think that's... You know, sometimes we'll go to confession and I'm like, I I need a moment. I need to actually go before the Lord and as much as he can grace me with his presence and his love and just to sit there and be in awe of him that my confession or my heart breaks open and I'm able to see just, oh my goodness, when he touches us in those moments where we're needing him and unworthy of him. It's so beautiful. So what Peter doesn't say to him is, Lord, I want to follow you because this is so abundant. Lord, your abundance is overwhelming to me I want to stay close to you. He doesn't say that. So that remember that 
whole idea earlier in the program about how does the gospel reach people's lives? Mm -hmm. Is it good to great? Is it this overwhelming abundance and fulfillment? Mm -hmm. Or is it the radical revelation of our own desperation and how the Lord is going to rescue us from that and set us free? And so that's what happened to Peter. The call of Peter, the call of Simon, is made manifest through a display of God's glory that manifested his own lack of glory, his own sin. And when he confessed and said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, um, what does Jesus say? Follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. So the empowerment comes, the, the, the call comes from the place of desperation, from the place of poverty, from the place of, I got nothing, that the Lord said, great, now I can be everything. Now I can bring you, see that kind of abundance you just saw in the fish? I'm going to bring you a spiritual abundance that's worth so much more. And so that's why, what did he do? He abandoned the nets and the boats and those fish. And all the fish he just caught. All the fish he just caught. <laughs> the best catch ever. <laughs> the cra- that's the crazy thing, right? Like we never, we don't stop and think about that. It's like that kind of abundance. Thank you, Lord. This is amazing. What are you doing tomorrow? Right? Show back up because I'll take I'll take one of these catches. You want to you want to go in partners? You want to go into business together? Because this is like, do you know how much good I can do if I get that kind of catch every day? I mean, I become the wealthiest guy in town. I could be so generous for God. Mm-hmm. No one's ever even talked like that before. I mean, we don't we don't even think that that line of thinking would ever appear, but it is such a temptation, such a temptation compared to what Peter actually did, Simon actually did. He got his call. And the compared to his call to follow Jesus, the greatest abundance that the world could, could give, given to him in a way that he can't explain, it's not worth anything. It's nothing. So just so powerful. That's so powerful. Um, and, and I went through that quickly, but that was, that was one boat story, Carrie. Nice. Well, That's I guess you'll have to come back tomorrow, Carrie. We'll have oh. to record tomorrow. We'll have to dig into more boat stories because there are so many more and they have complementary themes to the theme that we're talking about today. Well, believe it or not, we're up against the end of the program. If you like these programs, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. You can just go and you can click contact Tom. And we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message. And, uh, well, join me tomorrow. And carry tomorrow for more Sound Insight. God bless your day.